This is KMTT and the weekly Parshat HaShavua Shir. This year, Tavshin Ayin, it will be given by Harav Chanoch Waxman. This week, Parshat Balot Cha, I would like to talk about the story that we often refer to as Kivrot HaTa'ava. Um, the story of B'nai Israel's complaint for meat, uh, the eventual plague that's visited upon them, and their burial uh, in a place known as Kivot Tava, the place where those who desired meat were buried. More particularly, as opposed to talking in general about the story of Parakid Aleph and Parakid Bet of Sefer Bamidbar, um, I would like to focus on uh, a particular dialogue, or more accurately, perhaps a, a set of statements uh, by Moshe to God, which appears in a particular context, in a particular place, in Parakud Aleph, Parakud Bet, in the larger story of Kivot Tava. To begin, let us set the scene by picking it up in Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Tet Zion, part of the way uh, through a relatively long story. By Midbar Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Tet Zion says as follows. And God spoke to Moshe and said, Gather up for me 70 men of the elders of Israel. You know they are their elders and their officers. And you will take them to the tent of meeting, and they will stand there with you. Hashem continues on to Moshe in Pasigud Zayin. And I will descend and speak to you there. And I will draw from the, the spirit uh, that is upon you. And I will somehow place it onto them, or move some of it over to these Shivim uh, Zikinim, to these 70 elders. And Hashem continues on. And they will bear with you, or carry with you, the burden of the people you no longer carry alone. Three usages here of the notion of carrying the stem, Se'et, uh, Masa, etc. And this is God's first command to Moshe, to take uh, the 70s kingdom out to the Ohel, some of the spirit that is upon Moshe, whatever this means, will be moved or transferred over uh, to the Zikinim, and this will serve as a mark of distinction for them, and they will then serve as a kind of auxiliary leadership, and they will help Moshe bear the burden of the people. Now, at this point, Hashem continues on with his instructions to Moshe, and Perkit Aleph Paskut Chet uh, contains a second command, a second tzivoy. Velam Tomar hit Machar um, and say to the people, prepare yourselves on the morrow, and you shall consume meat, flesh, because you cried in the ears of God, saying, who will feed us meat? It was good for us in Egypt. And God will give you meat and you will consume. So meat is mentioned three times. And then God goes on, not one day, not two days, not even five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, etc. The people will have sufficient meat for a full month. Now, what you have here is this dual command, the dual tzivui. First, um, the command to Moshe uh, to take the zakinim out to the tent um, and prepare them for the mark of distinction of the spirit or, or of prophecy being placed upon them. And secondly, uh, that which is meant to be transferred over the people to tell them to prepare because on the morrow they will consume basar. Um, and apparently, we have here a kind of response uh, to the problem or the dynamic of Parakut Aleph and Parakut uh, Aleph. Going back, and we picked it up here in the middle of the text, the people had desired meat, 
Um, and uh, Moshe had said that the burden of the people was too heavy upon him. So here Hashem, in his command, provides a dual response to the dual problem. To the problem of Moshe, of the burden of the people being too heavy, God provides the response of the zikinim, the auxiliary leadership, and that he presents first. And to the problem of the people, of lack of meat, uh, God says, oh, there's going to be meat not for one day, not for two days, not for five days, not for ten, but for a full month. Now, in accord with the standard fashion of these things, after the command is finished by about Perik Kaf, uh, a Pasuk Kaf or so in Perik Aleph, we would expect uh, the accomplishment of the Bitsua of, of this command. And in fact, if we jump down in the text or jump further ahead in the Psukim of the Torah to Perik Yud Aleph, Pasuk Kaf Dalid, uh, we see here the accomplishment of Hashem's command to Moshe. Perik Yud Aleph, Pasuk Kaf, pardon, Pasuk Kaf Dalid says as follows. Moshe and uh, Moshe went out and spoke to the people at Hashem, the words of Hashem, exactly as he was commanded to. And Moshe gathered up seventy of the elders of the uh, people, and he stood them around the oel. And God descended and spoke to Moshe and drew from the spirit asher love that was upon him. Exact same words as the command, uh, the same notion of uh, gathering up the zikinim. If Yud Aleph Ted Zion reads as Asfali Shivim Ish Mizikneisro to gather up seventy of the zikinim, Yud Aleph Kaftalid uh, reads as Vayesof Ishim Shivim Ish Mizikneisro, and seventy men were gathered. Uh, and likewise with the drawing of the spirit, etc. Exactly as God had commanded. However, um, what I skipped over uh, were three very interesting psukim uh, in between the command and accomplishment section. In between the dual command uh, of the Zikinim and the Basar that appears uh, from Pasuk Tet Zainin on, and the dual accomplishment of Zikinim and Basar that appears from Parakut Aleph, Pasuk Kavdalad and on. And I would like to go to the Psukim found kind of right in the middle here, this very interesting dialogue between God and Moshe. And in response to God's statement that he's going to provide meat for a month uh, to the Bnei Yisrael, we find the following in Parakut Aleph, Pasuk Aleph. Vayomer Moshe, and Moshe said, Sheish me'ot elef ragliya'am asher nochi b'kirbo. 600,000 is the number of the people that I am amidst. Ba'ata amarta basar etein lahem v'achlu chodesh amim. And you say, God, that you will give them meat and they will consume it for a month. Pasuk Kafet. Hatzon ubakar yishachet lahem. Um, will cattle and sheep will you slaughter for them? Umatzalahem, and you will find for them. Imet kol degehayam yasef lahem, or will you gather up all of the fish of the sea? Umatzalahem, and find it for them. So Moshe here says, well, there's there six hundred thousand people, and you said you're going to give them, give them meat. Hatzonu bakar yishachet lahem. Are you going to sh- sh- slaughter all the animals of the world? It's kol degehayam yasef. You gather gather up all the fish. Now, in response to this surprising uh, or difficult statement of Moshe, God says in Perkin Aleph Pasit Kafkimel, Vayomer Hashem Moshe, Hayar Hashem Tiktsar, is the hand of God too short, Atatireh, now you will see, Hayikuchad Vari Imlo, whether my words will come true or not. Now, many of the Mefarshim, uh, many of the commentaries, and included amongst them Rashbam, Ramban, Ibn Ezra, try to Read down um, Moshe's statement of Hatzanu Bakar. Try to kind of 
uh, read it as less of an expression of skepticism than it seems to appear. According to Rashbam, Ramban, and Ibn Ezra, Moshe's statement is a relatively uh, naive or simple statement of how. Um, when Moshe says, Moshe asks, how is the miracle uh, going to happen? Um, there's a kind of surprise that God is willing to perform such a miracle for the people. Um, he asks, is it B'derech Nisi? Is it B'derech Teva? So you can read Moshe's statement, if you wish, as a kind of naive inquiry of how it's going to happen, or perhaps as a kind of theological question of how is the miracle going to be worked out and in which path. Or you can read it as a question of, God, are you really willing to do this for them? Lahem appears numerous times in the Psukim. But... In light of God's response, where God says to Moshe in Pasuk Kafkim, um, is God's hand too short? Is it not possible? I think Mikra is most probably, the simple reading of the Psukim, is most probably like Shittat Rabbi Akiva, which is found already in the Sifri, um, which reads Moshe's statement here in a very, very harsh light. Uh, it's quoted by Rashi, and I here read to you from Rashi on Parakut Aleph, uh, this is one of the four things that Rabbi Akiva was Doresh, learned, and Rabbi Shimon did not interpret like him. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva said, um, um, Moshe said, uh, 600,000 people, and you said you will give them meat for a month. Everything should be understood in its simple interpretation. Is it possible that it will be sufficient for them? According to Rabbi Akiva, Moshe does not ask how. Moshe does not ask, are you willing? But Moshe asks, is it possible? Is it really possible? On some level, Moshe questions God. And Viewing Moshe's statement here of Hatsonu Bakar as a questioning of God's ability, uh, a questioning of is this in fact possible, means that Moshe here has said something which is, as we would say, an Amira Kasha, a very difficult statement. And Rabbi Kiva continues on in this Sufri to say as follows, Ve'ezu Kasha, and which is more difficult? Zo o Shimuna Hamorim. Which is more difficult, or harsher, or a greater hate, a greater sin? This statement of Moshe, which questions the abilities of God, or the statement of Shimon HaMorim, where Moshe said, Hear ye rebels, when he hit the rock, uh, as opposed to speaking to the rock. Of course, you remember, Bamidbar Perakaf Pasuk Yud, Moshe was commanded to speak to the rock, instead he hit the rock, and for this he was punished by having the leadership of Bnei Yisrael stripped from him, and by not entering the land. And Rabbi Akiva asks, which is a greater sin? Which is more kasha? Which is more difficult? The questioning of God's ability or the insulting of the people by saying Shimon HaMorem and hitting the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock? But Rabbi Akiva has an answer. Since Moshe's statement of Hatzon Bakar, the questioning of God's ability, was not said or done in public, this sin... Therefore, alone from him, he was not punished. Vizushal Rivai Tabu Galui, Lefikach Lo Kisek Lo Akatov. 
Therefore, he was not saved from it. And the claim of Rabbi Akiva is we should understand Moshe's statement of Atzonu Bakar as a questioning of God's ability, and we should understand Pasuk Kafkim Vayom Hashem Moshe Yad Hashem Tiktsar as God hands too short as a rebuke of Moshe's so to speak, questioning of God's ability. This is a great hate, a great sin. And Moshe is only not punished because this occurred in private between him and God. Um, there, was a, there was no element of Chilul Hashem, disgrace of the divine name. And hence, consequently here, um, God's Rachman protected Moshe, as opposed to later on in Sefer Babidbar, where Moshe's sin was public and therefore he was punished. Now, uh, most certainly... Uh, whether Rabbi Akiva is absolutely correct or not, um, the difference between the the comment of uh, the difference between the, the commentaries of the Rishonim here, Rashbam, Ramban, um, uh, Ibn Ezra, etc., that are looking to read down the severity of Moshe's comment of Tzonu Bakar on the one hand, and, and Rabbi Akiva on the other hand, that takes it in its apparent simple literal sense that Moshe here questions God's abilities, this needs to be worked out. And to the extent uh, that we tend in the direction of, of Rabbi Akiva, um, that Moshe, in fact, does question God's abilities, the question is, how is this possible? And, and how can this happen to Moshe? And this, is this the Moshe that we, that we always have known um, and that we will know? And it raises the question of, what exactly is happening here in uh, Perak Yud Aleph and Perak Yud Bet that leads to a situation where Moshe can can utter uh, such a comment? And and of course, uh, maybe the best way to 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 highlight this point or to put our finger on this question is to turn to Herbikiva's um, protagonist uh, in that very same Sifri uh, quoted by by Rashi. And, and to resume our citation from, from Rashi, uh, Rashi then cites Rabbi Shimon in the continuation of that Sifri. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon said, Chas v'shalom, impossible. Lo al-ta'al-dato tzadik kach. It could not arise in the mind of that tzadik that God wasn't able. You can't say that Moshe questions God's abilities because that would make you, in the language of Chazal, one of the k'tanei emunah, one of those who lacked faith. And we can't think of uh, Moshe as someone who lacks faith in God's ability. Why not? Rabbi Shimon continues on in Sifri. Misha katuv bo ubechol betin eman hu yomer ein hamakom maspik lanu. Rashi, citing Rabbi Shimon, sends us a little bit later on to Bamidbar Parak Yudbet, kind of the continuation of almost the very same said story that we're in the middle of. And Bamidbar Parak Yudbet is, of course, the story of the Lashon Hara. Um, that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moshe Rabbeinu, against Moshe. And it, it, to a great extent, without going into the details, a continuation of the story of Kivrota Tava. It happens in the same place. It's kind of integrally and organically connected in many ways uh, to Perkid Aleph. But of course, after um, Moshe and Aaron and Miriam speak Lashon Hara about Moshe, they are called out to the Omohe, they are called out to the tent of meeting, uh, and they had said that they too are prophets, that God also speaks to them. And God speaks to uh, Miriam Baron, and he rebukes them, and um, he tells them that Moshe's prophecy is, of course, quite different. Uh, picking it up for the moment in Perakid Bet, Pasik Vav, Hashem says to Moshe Aaron and Miriam uh, at the Omoe, Bayomer, Shimu Nadvarai, hear my words. Imiyen Hashem, Bamar'e, Elav et Vada Bachalom Adar 
If my prophecy is to you, it's in a vision. I will become known to you in a dream. Lochein avdi Moshe is not my case with my servant Moshe. Bechol beitin eman hu. He is relied upon or believed uh, in all of my house. Pe al pe adaber bo. Face to face or mouth to mouth, I speak with him. Not a vision, not a riddle. Moshe is the Ever Hashem, the servant of God. Moshe is the is the faithful servant of God, the Eben Eman. Moshe has access to the Bayit of Hashem whenever he wants. Moshe speaks face to face to God. And if Moshe is Neeman in a play of words on the idea of Neeman, which means reliable uh, or faithful, faithful servant. You cannot define Moshe as one of Ketani Emunah. You cannot define Moshe as someone who doesn't have belief. Moshe is, of course, the ultimate uh, Gadol Be'emunah, the person who ultimately, and the, 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 the greatest believer in God. So, and this is the point Rabbi Shimon makes against Rabbi Akiva. How can you view Moshe as Ketani Emunah as questioning God's abilities when immediately afterwards God himself states about Moshe that he is Bechol Betina Emanu. Now, Leaving aside the Joshua Rabbi Shimon for a moment, I think this helps us put our finger on the problem. And the question is, what has happened to Moshe? What is happening to Moshe here in Perakid Aleph? How can such an utterance of Hatsonu Bakar, the apparent question of God's ability, come out of Moshe's mouth? Now, what I would like to do uh, to try to resolve this is to kind of demonstrate uh, that to some extent, Perakid Aleph uh, is about a crisis of Moshe. And I would like to try to root that crisis in a particular dynamic, in a particular set of occurrences that happens here in Parakir Aleph. And to begin with, I would like to go back um, to the part of the beginning of Parakir Aleph, or earlier on in Parakir Aleph, a part that we have skipped over until this point. The complaint of the Bnei Yisrael that precipitates everything that happens here. Let us go back for the moment to Parakir Aleph, Pasuk Dalad, which says as follows. Asaf suf asher b'kirbo. And the mixed multitude that were gathered up amongst them, they desired a desiring. And then uh, B'nai Yisrael began to cry again after them, uh, kind of uh, infected to some extent by the Asafsuf, by the mixed multitude. And they all began to cry, uh, Who will feed us meat? They desired meat. And Pasuk Hei says, We remember the free fish we ate in Egypt. And we go on with a kind of laundry list of all the other delicacies. And of course, the complaint against the man found in Pasuk Vav and Zion, etc. And then we get to keep so compare Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud, says as follows. Vayishma Moshe ta'am bochel mishpechotav. Um, Moshe heard the people crying uh, in accord with their families. Ish lepetach o'alo, each man at the door of his tent. Vayichar af Hashem od, God was angry. Uba'ine Moshe ra. The situation was bad in the eyes of Moshe. And then at this point, Moshe launches into a soliloquy uh, to God. Not a dialogue, but simply a set of statements. And it's important to pay attention to the psukim here, the words, the language. Um, Moshe's response to the complaint or the crying of the people in accord with their families, each one at the door of their tent. And Parakit Aleph, Pasikit Aleph says as follows. Ve'yomer Moshe al Hashem, Lama har eota la avdecha. Why have you done evil, done bad uh, to your servant? Vlama lama tatichain beinecha. Why have I not found favor in your eyes? Lasum et masa kol amaze elai to place the burden of all these people upon me. And Moshe continues on. 
Hanochi harityet Did I become pregnant with this people? Imanochi did I give birth to them? Kitomar elai seil bechekecha. Carry them in the crook of your arm. Kasher yisa omenet deonek, as the nursemaid carries the nursing child ala dama um, to the land that you promised them. May I and libasal the kolamazeh? From where do I have meat to feed this entire people? Give kuelai lematzanalanu basar venochela. And the word basar appears numerous times. And the crying appears numerous times. And the image of B'nai Yisrael as a kind of dead weight, burdensome child that Moshe needs to nurse, as if he's a kind of nursemaid of these crying children. And Moshe continues on, I cannot carry alone the burden of this entire people. Kikavei is too heavy for me. And then, at the very end of his five pasuk long soliloquy or Lament to God, Moshe says in Parakir Aleph, Pasuk Tetvav, Im kacha atauseli hargeni naharog. If this is what, this is my fate, this is what you're going to do to me, kill me now. Im matzati chayin beinecha. If I have found favor in your eyes, va'al ereberati, and do not let me see my evil. Now, if one paid attention to the language here, there's something rather interesting. There's a fascinating relationship between the beginning of Moshe's speech and the end of Moshe's speech. And there's a kind of very interesting chiastic structure, or reversing structure that exists here uh, in parallel between the beginning of Moshe's speech and the end of Moshe's speech. Going back to Pasuk Yud Aleph again, Moshe says, Why have you done evil? The word ra, evil, bad, is the A. And the Moshe continues on. The Metziat Chen, the finding favor uh, in the eyes of God, is the B. And furthermore, Lasumet Masa, the burdensome aspect, the Masa, uh, the burden of the people, is the C. Going to the end of Moshe's statement, the Moshe's speech, his lament, Pasik Yudalad, Lo Uchal Anochi Levadi Laseit Et Kola Amaze, the burden, the Laseit, the carrying, is the C. Kikaveri Meni, Imkachatoseli Hagenina Hagani, Immatati Chain Benecha, Matziat Chain is the B. Vaale Rebraati, the evil, the bad fate, is the A. So Moshe's poetry here is perfect. It's balanced. Uh, it's artistic. But the tone, the tone is desperate. Moshe says, my fate is evil, my fate is bad, I can't take these people anymore, I can't take the burden, I'd rather die than deal with them any longer. And of course, as we well know, this is not the Moshe that we are familiar with from the past. If we go back, for example, to uh, Shmot Perak. Uh, Lamed Bet. There are, in fact, some in, in Perak Lamed Bet and Perak Lamed Gimel, there are some interesting echoes of Shmot Perak Lamed Bet and uh, Lamed Gimel in our passage in our Lament of Moshe. For example, going back to uh, Shmot Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Lamed Bet, the aftermath of the Ego, um, when God had threatened to wipe out the Jewish people, Moshe said, im uh, if, if you're willing to carry, you, God, should bear burdens, bear the burdens of their sin. Erase me from the books that you have written. Now, whether the Sefer here is just the book of the Torah, the Sefer is kind of the, the grander Sefer. Um, God has threatened to wipe out the Jewish people and, and Moshe says, if you don't carry the burden of their sin, if you don't carry their burdens, wipe me out, i.e. kill me. Um, here Moshe asks for death, perhaps, and he asks for death for the purpose of the carrying of the burdens of the Jewish people that God should forgive them, the notion of no se'avon. And here Moshe asks for death to avoid carrying the burdens 
of the Jewish people. So, if before Moshe had asked for death for the Jewish people, here he asked for death to avoid the Jewish people. Or likewise, uh, the metaphor of metziat chen, of finding favor in the eyes of God. In Shemot Perak Lama Gimel, Pasuk Yudbet, we read, God says to Moshe says to God, you said I found favor in your eyes. If I found favor in your eyes, tell me your paths. So that I can find favor in your eyes. The whole metaphor or, or meaning of Moshe finding favor in God's eyes is so that God will see that Amcha Gaya this is your people. It's for the sake of the people that um, Moshe wants to uh, find favor in God's eyes. And here, back in Bamidbar, Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud Aleph and Tedvav, the Metziat Chain, the finding favor in the eyes of God, Moshe says, it's against the people. Uh, to get, kill me please, if I find favor in your eyes, so I can do anything to avoid these people. And the question is, Again, this is not our normal Moshe. Uh, something has happened here. So the reading that begins to emerge here on some level is that Moshe is in crisis at Kivotata Ava. Um, and it's in this moment of crisis, in this moment of collapse, where Moshe cannot take the burden of the people, where Moshe pleads for his own death. It's at this moment that what comes out of his mouth is Hatsonu Lahem. The collapse of Moshe, uh, or the near collapse, or, or the difficulty, or the crisis blends to the theological level, or influences what Moshe says. And we can say that why does God have rachamim or mercy upon this very difficult and troubling thing that Moshe says, Hayat Hashem, uh, um, even reading like Rabbi Akiva, is, can you do this? Is it because at this point, Moshe is near Incoherent, and it's in a difficult moment of crisis that this comes out of his mouth. And this is certainly what one should say if one adopts the Rebekiva reading. Now, even going with this approach, we still need to take it a lot further and to try to understand what's the origin of the crisis of Moshe. What has happened? What is uh, so difficult here? Now, I think there are many different answers uh, to this question. Um, and they range from... Um, Perhaps the, the collapse or the delays in, in the journey towards Eretz Yisrael, um, a kind of uh, disappointment, certain expectations that were held. Uh, on the one hand, to perhaps the abandonment of Moshe by his perceptive advisor, Yitro. On the other hand, which happened in the previous Parak Parak Yud, if you, um, if you uh, interpret Chovav as Yitro. And many different directions can be mapped out. And here I just kind of waving my hand briefly at a couple of possibilities. But what I would like to do is to outline another, uh, an interesting uh, direction, um, something which has to do with some of the symbolism of Parakud Alf and Parakud Bet, um, and something which I think tells us a lot about what's going on in Kivot Tata'aba, and places Moshe's lament, Moshe's statement against God, and Moshe's crisis in a certain perspective. Um, let us begin by picking it up with Parakud Aleph, Pasuk Dalid, again, the beginning of the complaint for Basar and the term meat, which I think is crucial throughout the entire story. Perkin Al of Pasuk Dalid says as follows. And the mixed multitude desired meat, and then the people began to cry uh, for meat as well. 
Um, and if we go down to Perakir Aleph, Pasik Yud, He saw them crying at the doors of their tents. God was angry. It was bad. What's bad in the eyes of Moshe is the people crying and crying for what? For Basar. It's, it's Basar, whatever this means or symbolizes here, that seems to be the beginnings of things for Moshe. And likewise, in Moshe's soliloquy, in Moshe's lament, to God in Perakid Aleph, Pasuk Yud Gimel, Moshe says, May Ainli Basar Latet Lekola Amazeh, from where will I get meat to give to all these people? Kiv Kuei Lai, they will cry to me, Lemart Sinalanu Basar Venochela, give us meat and we will eat it. And so, yeah, the people have on some level desired meat, and along the lines of desiring meat, they have rejected the man, right? What they said in Perakir Aleph Pasik Vav was, um, There's nothing but the man. But, but still, it's not exactly clear what is so bad about the desire for meat. It's a, it's a normal human desire, the rejection of the man, okay? We might get a kind of further hint here as to what's going on, um, is by taking a look at God's instructions to Moshe, some of the Pesukim that we began with in the Shi'ur. Perakir Aleph Pasik Chet says as follows, Hitkachu, sanctify yourself, prepare yourself for the morrow, prepare yourself for the next day. You will eat meat, and it won't be one day, not five days, not ten days, and it's a lot of meat. Now, there's an interesting echo here in the usage by God of the phrase, Hitkachu lemachar. And I'm thinking of Shmot Perak Yudtet, um, on, on one, uh, from a certain perspective. If we go back to Shmot Perak Yudtet, uh, for the moment, Perak Yudtet, Pasuk Yud, uh, the lead up to Har Sinai says as follows, Vayom Hashem Moshe Lech Elaam, go to the people, Vikidashtem Hayom Umachar, sanctify yourselves today and tomorrow, Kidashtem Machar, sanctify yourselves, Vayun Brachonim, Layom Hashloshim, Kiyom Hashlishi, Kiyom Hashi, Yerei, Tashem Lenei Kolam Alar Sinai. One should sanctify oneself for the morrow because God is going to descend onto Har Sinai. Uh, the divine is going to come. And here in a kind of almost bizarre echo, we're told here in Parakir Aleph, Pasakir Chet, Ve'la'am tomahit kachu l'machar, sanctify yourselves l'machar, v'achalten basar. You're going to eat meat. Not the presence of God, but meat. So, on some level, one would think that at this point, when the people hear this message, the kind of implicit uh, sarcasm or critique to sanctify oneself, not for the divine presence, but to sanctify oneself for the eating of meat, uh, they might realize this is not exactly um, the, the right perspective or the right approach. Let's add one more pasuk, because the same as God's presence, his, or his call, his voice, had come from the Shemayim, and the people had prepared themselves for that back in Matan Torah. Now here, um, uh, in Bamimbar Parakud Aleph, meat, birds, are going to fall out of the heavens, and, and they're going to be stacked up around the camp, and they're going to prepare themselves for the consumption of Basar, Min HaShamayim. Of course, what are the people supposed to really consume that comes from the Shamayim? Not just Torah, not just the call of God, but they're supposed to consume the man, which they are now rejecting. And we, of course, know um, what Moshe says about the man uh, far later on in the Chumash, in Dvarim Parakhet, um, 
Pasuk Gimel, Moshe says to Bnei Yisrael many, many years later, but he, Moshe expresses his perspective on what the man is all about. Pasuk Gimel says, And God tested you, afflicted you, uh, made you hungry, He fed you, that you did not know, nor did your forefathers know. To teach you the lesson, it is not on bread alone that man lives, it is through everything that comes from the mouth of God that, that man lives. Now what this means is very strange, but Moshe apparently correlates the man with revelation, or Moshe apparently correlates with the, uh, the man with the word of God that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, the man is the sustenance of God, like the Torah is the sustenance that comes from God. And reading back into Bamidbar Perak Yud Aleph, what on some level it's all about is the people reject the Sinaitic metaphor of prepare yourselves for Torah on the morrow, and they're willing to accept prepare yourselves for meat on the morrow. And the people reject the man, which is the food and the sustenance that comes from God, min shamayim And instead, what do they want from shamayim? What they want from shamayim is basar, is meat. And it's this complete rejection of everything that's supposed to come from shamayim, whether Torah or man, uh, and this desire for basar and all that it symbolizes, perhaps this is part of what's going on in the crisis of Moshe. But Moshe sees the people like babies who know nothing but the material crying uh, for, their, for their nursemaid. Or babies crying for their meat. And the whole camp is organized around the demand for meat as opposed to the whole camp being organized around Torah or Man or what's supposed to come from heavens. This is part and parcel of the crisis of Moshe. I think this is certainly correct. But I'd like to add to it because I think there's a, a fascinating symbolism throughout Paragut Aleph something linguistic that's set up, which, just in a very, very brief way, which can add into what uh, we've pointed out here. Um, again, in the idea of basar. Um, picking it up one more time, uh, in the Pesukim we looked at, uh, in Pasuk Yudchet, God says to Moshe, basar, 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 over and over again. There's a fascinating word that's used throughout Parakut Aleph that might be uh, the antithesis of Basar that stands in a kind of tension to it. Let's go back to Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud Zion. When uh, Moshe, God commands to Moshe the command of the elders, the Zkenim. And I will descend and I will speak to you. And I will draw from the spirit that is upon you. And I will put it upon them. They will help you carry. Um, and again, in the accomplishment of this, in Parakut Aleph, God descends. He spoke to Moshe. He drew from the spirit. And he put it onto the 70 elders. And the spirit rested upon the elders. And they prophesied. And they did not cease. Or they did not continue. Unclear how to read it. So there's this idea of the spirit. The spirit of God. The spirit that is upon Moshe. That is part of Moshe. That is the identity of Moshe. And it's drawn from Moshe. And placed onto the Zikinim. And they then prophesy. And they become prophets like Moshe. And in this mark of distinction. They become suited to be a kind of auxiliary leadership. And again a few more times. Of course, as you well know, there are two men who remain in the camp. And we're told in Parakid Al of Pasuk Kavah, Vatanach Haruach. 
and the Spirit rested upon them, and they prophesied. And then Moshe says a bit later on in Pasuk Kaftet, um, when it is told him that Eldad and Medad have prophesied in the camp, and Yeshua said to shut them up, Moshe says, Let them all prophesy, let them all have spirit upon them, let God's spirit be upon all the people. And again, in Pasuk Lamanal, and there's a wind, not here spirit in the sense of Ruach in the sense of spirit, but Ruach in the sense of almost physical wind, a wind of God that gathers up the slav. And if one pays fascinating, one pays attention to it, a fascinating fact emerges. From Perakut Aleph, Pasuk Tetzayin, when God's command first begins, where we began the Shi'ura, to the end of Perakut Bet, the end of the story of the Lashon Hara of Miriam and Aaron against Moshe, both the word Basar and the word Ruach appear six times in various meanings, and they seem to be at a kind of tension with each other. Well, what are we to make of this tension? I would like to share with you a piece of Torah Ramban. Um, from Sefer Breshit, which might help us puzzle out the tension, kind of wrap up what I want to deal with in the Shi'ur. Back in um, Breshit, Perk Vav, in the lead-up uh, to the Mabul, the Torah tells us about the precipitating sin, uh, the precipitating disaster, which leads up to the Mabul. In Perk Vav, Pasuk Aleph of Sefer Breshit, Adam larov adama lahem him et benota adam kitavot etc. And some horrible event happens, and then we get a glimpse of God's internal speech in Parag Vav Pasuk Gimel Sefer Brishit. Vayomer Hashem El Lo Yadun Rochi BaAdam LeOlam Bishagam Hu Basar. My spirit will not remain in man forever. Bishagam Hu Basar, in that he is of flesh. Vayu Yamav Meav Esrim Shana, and um, his days will be 120 years. God limits the human lifespan uh, to 120 years in response to the sin. Because there's a kind of problem, a kind of tension between Ruach and Basar, between the spirit, the holiness, prophecy, Nevu'ah, the something other uh, that should be, and Basar, uh, the flesh, the material, the physical, etc. And it's kind of this inability to balance out, or this cleavage, or this problem of Ruach versus Basar, that is the problem in Sefer Breshit on some level. And as Ramban points out, the spirituality and the flesh are to some extent sometimes a tension, and therefore the cleavage between them eventually leads to the death of mankind uh, and, and the Mabul, and this is the piece of Torah Ramban here. I would like to suggest, in a similar sense, in Bambimber Perakir Aleph, the words Basar and Ruach symbolize different modalities, different axes, different perspectives. There's, of course, the ruach, the the spirit, the prophecy, the holiness, the desire for spirituality. And then, of course, there is the basar, there is the meat, there is the flesh, there's the material quality of human existence. And the problem throughout Parakir Aleph of B'nai Yisrael is somehow the tendency too much in the direction of basar, in the direction of meat, and not enough in the direction of ruach, in the direction of spirit. And if Moshe is, of course, the ultimate symbol or metaphor of ruach, the ruach rests upon him, and he has been with God on Har Sinai, um, the meat and, and the slav and the people crying at their tents, this is kind of the ultimate symbol of basar. And if the people turn away from ruach to basar, that is exactly part and parcel of the crisis of Moshe and which might be behind this hiddle Because Moshe, as someone who is kol kulo on some level, 
believes in Ruach and wants to bring Ruach to the people when he sees them in the place of Basar and only Basar. This might be, to some extent, uh, what precipitates his crisis. Just to end, um, this might be part of a kind of machloket between Moshe and some of his assistants, Yoshua and the young Nar. When Eldad v'Meidad uh, prophesy in the camp, um, they say to Moshe, shut them up. And what does Moshe respond? In Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Kaftet, HaMekana Atali. Uh, are you jealous or envious for me? Umi ten kolam Hashem nevi'im. If only all the people would be nevi'im, kiten Hashem etrucho alehem. If only all of the people so caught up in the world of Basar could partake somewhat more in the realm of Ruach, then none of this would be upon us, none of the crisis would have happened, and Moshe would not have gotten to the place where he got to. In fact, the perspective of Moshe is about balancing out Ruach and Basar, or putting together Ruach and Basar. And it's in this moment of crisis, of cleavage between the two of them, that perhaps Moshe slipped and said, um, and this might be an explanation of the conversation and of the parak following Rabbi Akiva.